Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data center sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is a podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. Today, I'm joined by Adele D'Souza, Digital Marketing Manager at Macquarie Cloud Services and founder of Hire Hire. Good morning, Adele. Hello. Thank you ever so much for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Really looking forward to obviously going through your career, but also digging a bit of a deep dive into talent and DNI, which I know is a topic you're really passionate about. Before we start, I just want to give a quick introduction of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So as mentioned, I'm currently working for Macquarie Cloud Services as part of Macquarie Telecom Group based out of Sydney. I'm currently working remote, which brings me to the Emerald Isle. Um, and also I'm the founder of an organisation called Hire Hire. We've been running for just over four years specifically focusing on helping young people make the step from studenting to adulting and everything that that encompasses. Um, Huge personal passion in data centres as that's where I started uh, and love being part of the industry. And I think that's what brings me here to talk to you today. Yeah, definitely. And obviously a topic we're both really passionate about, so I'm sure this will be a great discussion. Before we start, I always like to go back to the beginning of your career. So do you just want to give us a quick insight into how you started your career and how you ended up in the world of data centres? Absolutely. I suppose much like all the colleagues we speak to, uh, it was an accident, um, although perhaps a curated accident in that sense. Uh, My father, Eddie, worked in the industry for a long time um, on the infrastructure side. um, And when I was looking for a graduate job, he he did what every father does and, you know, put the CV out, say, do you know anyone? Do you know anything that's coming? Um, and not long after, I secured a job at InLogic, which was a PDU manufacturer startup uh, founded by former employees of Schneider at the time. Um, and that's where I started doing everything from marketing and events and PR to trying to understand what intelligent PDUs were, um, why we needed them, why it mattered. Um, and then I, I worked out what data center was. So that's where I started, Um, moved to the event circuit, started then decided to talk about the product, Um, then moved to Colt data centers uh, after a couple of years, was with Colt then for about four years. Um, And I think that's where I was able to take my interest and talent to the next level. Um, When I was in Logic, I started talking about the importance of young people and helping graduates, much like myself, make the step by doing a mentoring program back at the University of York. Uh, but Colt allowed me to really take that up a gear. And with the support of the exec team there at the time, we created the very first Colt graduate scheme um, and then launched the apprenticeship scheme, which I ran and was very proud to run uh, for a long time. And it's still running now. Uh, fast forward, I suppose, to now. I did I did a couple of jobs uh, in the UK outside of Colt um, and I'm working out in, in Sydney. Um, took myself off to Sydney just before the pandemic. Uh, and a whole different view of the industry, um, both in terms of technology, aspirations, the regional impact of working in an area like Australia. So, yeah, really, really, really varied. Been in the industry. I have no intention of leaving whatsoever, um, but really hope we can make a, a difference that I think the industry is calling out for both here and in Asia Pacific. Yeah, definitely. And I always say, I said on a podcast I recorded uh, earlier this week, that once you're in the data centre sector, it's very hard to get out, isn't it? Yeah. and But also, there's no need. It's so broad. Like, you, you can you can be doing, whether it's, I think, back to modular data centres or even PDUs to modular data to IT managed services to now cloud services. I've, I've no real 
no real need to, to leave. And that's that's often something that we say to young people. Um, when I when we founded Higher Higher, it was for that real need of helping students and young people make the jump. Something that I experienced when I was at school and kind of thought, oh, it, it must be better now. And it's only when we started looking at how we attract young talent to Colt at the time um, that nothing really had changed. Um, there was still some very outdated views. Oh, definitely. And one point I wanted to pick on, because it's it's one of those questions I get asked quite regularly about how you make the how you found the transition to going into the data center sector because it is perceived as very technical, complicated, and you have to be a genius and a technical whiz to be able to work in the sector. But how did you find it when you were obviously a graduate and you went straight into the sector? I guess I was it was a blank sheet of paper for me. This was my first corporate job. I'd never sent an email before. At the time I think we were using Link, so pre-Skype, pre-Teams, pre-pre-anything that we use today. Um, I I wasn't aware of how technical it was, and I don't think I was aware of the barriers. I was slightly naive to it. I remember the very first product collateral we came up with, and I started relating PDUs to, well, it's like shopping. It's two sizes. If I know that I need 32 amps, I'll go straight to that. If I know that I need it to be three fuse or one fuse, that's where I'll go. And so I think I was so naive to it that I had a slightly different way of doing marketing when it came to getting in the industry. And I've tried to keep that. I've tried to, to make sure that I don't fall too much into industry and I try and keep aware of what else is happening. Yeah, and again, that's another point, isn't it, about bringing people in from other sectors and learning from other industries. It's something we do as a business. We try and learn from other sectors, not other recruitment companies, because you're trying to do something different a lot of the time, aren't you? And that extra knowledge from from somebody else that's done it in a different way and their perception's different helps you develop what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. So I was I found it interesting. I remember doing some very early events and very quickly noticed the female representation on stands, um, whether it was from what I hope is now fully outdated in terms of booth babes, and that was the term at the time, um, to also being, you know, questioned, oh, can I, you know, can I speak to someone who understands the product by other delegates at the events? And I was like, oh, that's that's me. So I learned, I learned quite quickly um, that there were some nuances that needed addressing uh, in the industry and and something that I hope to hang my hat on, yeah. Uh, definitely. And I, you know, I think it's great what you're doing as well. But let's go into the talent piece then and the DNI side of it, because as I say, it's something we're both passionate about. And I'm sure we can have a good debate and bring up some uh, interesting points on this. I know recently you did a presentation in a workshop about new talent won't just come knocking, um, which is, again, something that I have these conversations with organisations all the time. Do you just want to explain what you mean by that and kind of what the findings were from that workshop? Yeah, absolutely. So it was a workshop that I ran at the Data Centre Conference that's run by the Data Centre Alliance in Birmingham uh, a couple of months ago. And the title actually came from frustration. We've been talking about this topic for as long as I can remember, right? Since I joined the industry, we've been talking about this topic of we need young talent, we need diverse talent, what can we do differently? And then the conference finishes and everybody goes back to their day jobs and then we talk about it again. So it was a little bit like, guys, they're not going to come to us. We we have to be proactive on this. So the workshop then looked at, okay, what do we need to do? We know it's a problem. We had six barriers. We took a vote. We did some uh, kind of live polling at the session. Um, And the teams, we used the workshop and we broke up into different groups and everyone addressed a barrier. 
And the barriers varied from, is it compensation and remuneration packages? Is it unconscious biases within our recruitment teams and our HR departments between hiring managers and with candidates? Is there an unconscious bias that candidates go, oh, data centers, that sounds like sitting in a dark room and playing on a green screen? Um, all the way through to the, the industry brand um, and our recruitment and retain strategies. So it was an opportunity to really go, we know that we know these are the problems, let's come up with solutions. Um, and we did. We walked away with a number of solutions um, or proposed solutions, everything from different training to being honest with candidates to being genuine with your um, recruitment stages. You know, some stages, you know, a graduate, 350 words of why you want to work in my organisation. They, they don't know. They have a student loan to pay off. We're asking the wrong, we're asking the wrong question. Um, and then, you know, we must have experience in the industry. Okay, well, are we going into schools? Are we going into universities? Are we going into colleges? Are we talking to candidates on platforms that they engage with? Because I didn't have a LinkedIn account before I graduated. So it was a really, really good interactive session um, with lots of fallouts and has kind of been the inspiration for a programme that we're hoping to launch called the Rising Star Programme. Um, it brings in creating a sense of community amongst the young people in our industry and the diverse talent, um, but also gives a platform and a voice for them to speak and be rewarded and recognised. Um, that was a, a big thing, um, is the recognition of, of the value that the diverse talent can bring to an organisation and to the industry as a whole. Uh, I totally agree with that. And I, I've talked about this a few times about the, the need for a young person's network, which sounds like similar to what you're looking at yeah. at the time. And something I looked at pre-COVID and trying to work out how we can get the young people in the sector together to try and help us attract more young yeah. people because they've done it, they know it and they've lived it and they can share their stories with graduates or apprentices, etc. And that's kind of what we need to do, isn't it? And that's it. I think, you know, I look back to when we started the graduate scheme at Colt and, you know, there wasn't a dedicated team at the time. And so it was myself in marketing, um, a couple others from marketing, a few from business continuity, effectively people that I just used to go for a drink with. But we were maybe only six or seven years into our career. So when we went to universities, there was that relatable element. There was that, guys, these are the questions we know you're asking. And, and the training that comes with it, we know you've not set an out of office before. What's an out of office? What do you need to put in one? And it's all, all of that softer stuff as well. Um, so, yes, creating a community um, and that community can then go to events. You know, I've been going to data center events for the last 10 years and I do see the same faces every time. Um, which needs to change. Uh, again, I, I said the same thing uh, this week to somebody when I, when I was chatting to them about about that exact thing. You know, it's like, oh, I've seen you before. And it's like, yeah, at a conference. You know, we've all seen each other before, but we do need those new faces coming as well, don't we? Um, one, one point I wanted to pick on is I'm a big believer that you can't, you can't be what you can't see, that sort of ethos. And, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges with the sector. And that's why, well, one of the reasons why I started the podcast in the first place was to kind of get the exposure out there a little bit that there is a sector do you have any views on that and kind of how we can improve the branding of the sector we we need to talk about it you know there was a running joke in my childhood at the time like I said my dad's been in the industry for years um myself and my siblings had no idea dad just worked in IT 
And I imagine that it's the same now. We don't do a great job of talking. I mean, I, you know, talk to my friends, think I work in the internet. Um, but I'll often make sure if there's an outage or, you know, even if it, if Instagram is down, I'll be like, guys, that could be that could be a DC outage. And they roll their eyes, but now they're getting it. So I think we need to, individuals need to do more about being proud of what we do, but why it matters. The, the, the not to talk in and to start talking out is quite important. And the idea of talking to new people at events, I was pretty honest with the delegation at the last event up in Birmingham. There was five students there that were present. And during the networking events, no one spoke to them. They, you know, they'd come from campus to go, we've heard about this event, it's been promoted. No, no one, no one spoke to them. But then at the same time, we'll run a session to go, how do we get more young people? Yeah, and I think, again, a, a great point, and I've said a few times, going back to the exposure about, Conan, and similar to what you've said about how we need to sell what data centres do yeah. rather than the product. You know, yes, it is a physical building that to a lot of people is quite boring. You know, it is a large building full of services and, and IT equipment. That's what it is. That's not attractive to a graduate, but if you tell them, or an apprentice, but if you tell them, what the sector does and the impact it has on people's lives and the importance of digitization, et cetera, they, they will get interested in it. And I think, you know, if we boil down every industry to just its product, it doesn't sound that exciting. You know, for everyone that goes into hospitality, right, well, there's large buildings, hotels, people rent them, there's rooms, there's, be- well, no, there's everything that comes with it. So I think, yeah, we need to do a better job of making our industry relatable to what our target audience engages with every single day. Yeah, exactly that. And, and, and like you were saying earlier, we were talking before we went online about TikTok and Instagram and, yeah. and all the social media, that's their life. And that's going to be even more important to them as they go into their careers and kind of creating the, you know, the synergy between that and this sector is only going to get more interest. Yeah. And it's, and I'm, I'm often, whether it's events or even doing this podcast today, really keen to promote on the platforms that have different audiences. But when I talk to organizations and say, look, you know, are you running a TikTok? Have you considered this? Oh, no, we can't. We couldn't, couldn't, couldn't possibly. I don't really know. That has to change. It's like when people run polls on LinkedIn to their community asking a question about how do we attract more people from outside the sector? And I always say, that's, you know, it's great that you're doing that, but you are basically asking people that are already in the sector. Yes. Yeah. Which, which everybody knows. Um, and I was, was something that I did recently, I went to a school recently and interviewed some, uh, some 14-year-olds, gave them some interview training, and um, I asked every single one of them if they knew what a data centre was. And I, I interviewed 14 children throughout the day, and all 14 had no idea what a data centre was, which, again, is another point that if we really want to get these people that are that age to consider the sector, they need to know what it is and that it exists. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the opportunities within, you know, I think, you know, corporate corporate life has a lot of hidden gems. OK, so young people and students will be exposed, whether it's the TV or just general life to doctors and lawyers um, and builders. But maybe they don't know about operations or procurement or marketing. You know, my, my friends think I, I do leaflets. That's what marketing is, isn't it? It's some colours and some words. And, you know, so I was saying, actually, you know, there's a science behind it. So we're not the only industry to face this problem. 
we just seem to be the only industry that con- wants to continue talking about the problem and not doing anything about it. Yeah. And another point which relates into this is obviously the importance of a diverse workforce, yeah. because again, I don't think everybody really understands why it's important. So can you share with us from your opinion why having a diverse workforce is so important? I think uh, Einstein said, asking the same question again and again and again, expecting different results is the definition of insanity. So asking the same group of people or homogenous group of people to come up with a new idea that is different to what they've had come up with before seems to me to be the same. We're moving into an area where, where we need to be sustainable and we need to come up with different ways to do that, which means we need to talk to people who think differently who are exposed to different things, whether it's generational, cultural, gender, whatever you want it to be, we can't keep asking one group of people the same question, expecting them to tell us something different than what they told us a week ago. Oh, and there's so many examples of it as well. You know, we, we from, from our perspective, when we're recruiting for clients and they are looking for people from other sectors or from minorities, you know, we, we bring them into the business and they straight away say, oh, they've had a really good impact because they see things differently. Yeah. It's so obvious, isn't it? And it's, it's everything from, you know, the working culture. We did a, you know, we run reverse mentoring programs where senior execs actually were partnered up with graduates and apprentices for things like social media. Like there's so much to be learned both ways. Um, Also, I think there is a big shift in who people want to work for now, both managers and leadership styles, but also what industry they want to be aligned to. Um, And that is only going in one direction and that's towards the environment Um, and being kinder to our planet. And so with all the struggles that our industry faces, and sometimes wrongly so, because there's actually a lot that our industry does. Again, we're not great at telling anyone. Um, we we need to bring those individuals in and say, actually, how would you do this differently? Are you finding that young people actually really do want to make a difference with regards to the environment and sustainability? Is that one of their drivers now? Which, you know, because if it is, we're in a ideal position to be able to say this is how you can impact it but again we don't talk about it but is that what you're finding when you talk Absolutely. to people? yeah when we do you know we do instagram polls with students and all the time and they want to they want to make a difference you know this idea of having a nine to five and just you know and maybe maybe there's an element of naivety because of where they are in their life stage that they have that which is great um but they care they care we can see that with the rise in Everybody's talking about climate, looking at veganism, looking at recycling. You can see it right across the board. In fact, ESG investments have gone up unknown amounts because people are going, I don't want to invest in a company that doesn't have a strong ESG position anymore. It's something, obviously, when I'm talking to CEOs of operators, it's, you know, and you ask them what their main challenges are at the moment, it's always talent and sustainability. And mm-hmm. they're the two that they're really sat there struggling with and trying to work out how can we grow without any talent and how can we achieve all our sustainability targets to ensure that we keep growing as an organisation. And really, they're quite linked, aren't they? Yeah. If you can get the people in that are actually passionate about it and want to make a difference that's going to help you achieve your sustainability targets. Absolutely. And I think they're both topics where everyone thinks you have to have the whole thing done at once. You don't. You don't. You don't need to be, as of tomorrow, we're the greenest company in the world. And by the way, we hire everybody and we have 
all the representation equally as as equal as it'll ever be or should be. There's a separate argument for that. Um, that's not the case. We need to just start small. Yeah, incremental changes, isn't it, to create you know the Those minimal small gains, marginal gains that just make that make a massive difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, diversity obviously incorporates a lot more than young people. And I know we talked quite a lot about young people today, but it's a, it's another question I'm asked quite a lot. Can you attract more females or can you attract more you know minorities to, to our organisation? And again, the conversation I have to have is, yes, I can, but you're not going to find them in the data centre sector. We need to go and look to other sectors. Yeah. What would your view be on, you know, how we can actually attract more people from, say, what you would class as, you know, for want of a better phrase, minorities? Yeah, I think the first question always has to be why. Is this we can we hire more females so we can say we've hired more females? In which case, don't don't bother. You have to go, okay, why? What is it that you're looking for? Because when you work out that actually we want someone that has these skills. And when you start talking skills, people relate. You know, I'm a very, very proud British Indian woman. If the job spec said looking for British Indian woman, I wouldn't apply. If the job spec said looking for someone who thinks differently, wants to make an impact and believes in this, I would apply. So I think we have to take ourselves away from asking people to stand on boxes and be in certain groups and go what is it what are we trying to achieve because and and then looking at the offers that we put out there you know do we have a mixture of part-time and full-time do we do remote working are we doing flex all all of the things that we kind of go this would appease different groups there's the age old you know if a job spec goes out a particular individual only apply if there's 80 percent if they tick all the boxes others will go oh i don't do any more than 50 i'm not going to I see more and more job adverts out there, for example, going, please don't think you have to meet all these requirements. We'd love to meet you. Your difference is what makes you special. And I think that mindset is when people go, that's an interesting job spec. Yeah, definitely. And job descriptions is a big problem for a lot of organisations. Yeah, A lot of them haven't been rewritten for four or five years. And that is a the truth, I won't name them, but you know, they, there are companies out there that send me the same job description for a role I've recruited for five years ago, and it's exactly the same. And although the conversation with the client will be around, you know, what you've just said, like attributes, skills, that's what we're yeah. looking for. You know, we're not looking for somebody that is in this demographic or this age. You know, it's literally these are the skills we want, go and find someone, and then they send the job description, and you think but well, you clearly haven't realigned your job description to your new recruitment process. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I saw one recently again from a very, very large public cloud provider that I won't name. It was an entry level position that required five years experience, three years showing, demonstrating entrepreneurial and leadership qualities. And there's those phrases put off a demographic in the same way when you look at minority ethnics or any underrepresented group in society where you kind of go okay well you know must be able to commute to central London location within 20 minutes right well you've just you've made a decision on your socioeconomic group quite quickly so there's really really small things that you can tweak that would make it more accessible and I think for me that's the biggest thing when it comes to diversity is making roles accessible yeah definitely and again I guess it also goes back to the exposure of the sector doesn't it because yeah. you know those those demographics that we're talking about are even less exposed 
yeah. to what a data center is than you know the the standard myself a 42 year old white male you know yeah. it's we we kind of probably heard of it but don't really understand what it is but there'll be demographics out there who have absolutely no idea what it is because yeah. it's never been targeted at them so yeah, from it's, about, a, it's about being accessible, I think. I think that's my yeah, and from a, from an individual perspective, because again, I'm a, and I know you are, I'm a big believer we should actually do something. You know, we all talk about it all the time, and you know, and I know there's loads of people out there that do some great things before people start messaging me saying <laughs> it's not everybody. I know it's not everybody, but there are a lot of people that talk about it and don't really do anything. And you know, I think it's really important that each of us has an impact and tries to do something how little it is you know something small can make a can also have a big impact but what would you say to people or what do you say to people that want to help but don't really know what to do there are organizations out there that can walk you through this process so hire hire being one we get inundated with requests from schools of can can you do work experience can you place a student could you have a call for the student who's considering, maybe they're an engineering student, maybe they're a business graduate, uh, maybe they're considering an apprenticeship. Schools are calling out for this. And if we look at the demographic of our industry, your own children's, your own nieces, nephews, schools, if you said to them, when's your careers day? Can I help? They would say yes. And when you have the issue of, oh my goodness, what do I say? Come and ask. We, we can help with all of that. Because, you know, interview techniques have changed. I do see some, the, the dreaded, where do you see yourself in five years after a 16-year-old seems slightly uncalled for when five years ago they would have been 11. Um, so there are, there, there's material out there. Um, just get the yes from, from, your local, from your local school and that's a good place as any. Tell your story, you know, go write on LinkedIn, three things I wish I knew when I was 18. People appreciate hearing them and they respond and, Try and get out of the current platforms, I think, is my third one. Um, our industry is very good on LinkedIn, not great on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. Um, there's more than, than one social media platform. And there's others coming out every day. Snapchat is still pretty pretty popular, certainly here in Ireland, I'm noticing. Um, Be real. There's, there's, lots of, there's lots of platforms yeah, out there. Yeah, and I think that's something, like I said, that I... Yeah, and I said, like I said uh, before we went online, that's something I, I know I need to do. You know, I've, I'm very LinkedIn heavy, but I, I need to get more involved and our business needs to get more involved on the likes of TikTok and, and Instagram to try and target those demographics. So that's definitely something you can help with. And with the, um, with the schools element, you know, say I went into schools yeah. two weeks ago and we did exactly what you said. We started a school and they said yes, and it was a career day and they said, come and give some interview training to 14, 15 year olds. And and I said, yeah, exactly. And I was quite um, kind of surprised at how little they understood about careers. And they were probably, some of them felt a bit pressured to have a career choice at 14. I'm like, don't worry, don't know what you want to do. You know, just do what you're passionate, you know, follow your passions to start with and you'll end up in the right place. But I think there's a lot we can all do in schools, like you just said, to help these young people make those decisions and just give them a bit of a, education I guess on what it's really like in the real world it's not what you think it's like and I think that's it now I I must admit I've done sessions before where I've overheard other other individuals that want to give back and then sort of maybe sort of scare them even more um 
there are there are resources there are resources to help if you know what's a conversation that 14 year old is having in their head is different to one that a 16 year old is having but that's what we do that's what high high does is we produce materials that can help people give back in the way that we know they want to they just don't know how yeah and i think it is exactly that a lot of the time people just don't know how which is why i thought it was good to get your opinion on how people can do it because i'm sure there's somebody listening or more than one person listening that will reach out to you and say actually i'd be quite keen to do that how can i help and i think a lot of organizations again don't really know what to do they think they do or they'll contact schools they won't hear back and they'll just leave it whereas you know if we kind of a bit more proactive about it we can definitely get get our voices in the right place absolutely from a um, kind of prediction perspective, I ask everybody for their predictions for the next 12 months. Obviously, it's slightly different from your sort of viewpoints. So I thought we could twist it to more towards talent and, you know, the, the D&I piece. But what do you think kind of we need to do over the next 12 months? And what do you hope that's going to happen in the sector over the next 12 months? That we are able to recognise the value of diverse talent, that we move away from the metrics of diverse talent and the incessant need to promote that we're a certain percentage or a certain count. And actually, we start talking about the value, whether that's awards, whether that's recognition pieces, whether it's mentoring programs. Um, that's where I'd like to see us. And, and the Rising Star program that, that we'll look to launch um, in the coming days will hopefully support that. And we already have very strong buy-in from organisations that really believe that this is the right thing to do and not the thing that they just need to be seen to be doing because there is a fundamental difference. And I, I agree with that point because a lot of the conversations, I'm lucky to have some conversations with a, with a lot of people. Yes, my job, and obviously I also do it on this podcast, but people do want to make a difference. I genuinely believe that, which is one thing I love about the sector. Is it, you know, there are so many people in it that really want to make a difference, but I think it needs people like yourself sometimes to just initiate that conversation. Someone that's a kind of more neutral, I suppose, sort yeah. of in the middle that can get everyone together and say, look, if we do this together, we'll have a much bigger impact than Andy, you doing it on your own or Dave, you doing it on your own. Absolutely. Um, obviously, really enjoyed that conversation. I think we could go on and on and on about talent um, and diversity, but I think you've covered a lot of the, the main points and you know, you're obviously doing some great work. Before we close, there's one question I ask everybody and very relevant to you for for this podcast, but if you could give one piece of advice to anyone looking to work in the data centre sector, what would it be? Very good question. One piece of advice that I would give to anyone wanting to work in the data centre sector, um, give a helping hand to the next one up. Again, great advice. And and one one thing that a lot of people say is reach out. You know, reach out and ask for help, which again, kind of is similar to that, but it is the fact that a lot of the people in it do want to help, but they're kind of waiting for that person to ask yeah. them for help. Whereas really, yeah, what you've said is a great point, spin it the other way around. Like, you know, if you're in it, try and help somebody outside of the sector or look or someone, you know, from a younger age looking to join, help them enter the sector. And like I said, even with the with the reverse mentoring, like we saw some awesome results around culture we had execs that were going on instagram and kind of tweeting and felt comfortable when using linkedin a bit more and that was you know it you don't just it doesn't just have to be towards young talent like you know give a hand and kind of go actually speak to recruitment and go you know what during my onboarding this was a thing maybe if you look at this it might make a difference 
And that's regardless of when you join the industry at whatever stage in your career. Yeah, it's just having that platform, isn't it? And the confidence to be able to feel that you can have the voice is really important. I don't normally do this, but from a higher, higher perspective, you know, I'm quite happy for you to promote it as much as you like, because I think it's a great course. So where can people find you? You know, how can they contact you? Where, where are your Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, yeah. and websites, <laughs> etc.? Feel free to promote. Brilliant. Yeah. So for anyone that wants to get more involved with higher, higher and believes that they can make a difference in being the voice that our industry needs um, to all sorts of underrepresented uh, members within society that we need to have. Um, you can find us on Instagram at higher, higher. You can find us on higher, higher.co.uk. Um, you can contact me personally on LinkedIn. Higher, higher is also on LinkedIn. You can contact me via TikTok. Um, and we are also on Twitter and Facebook. Um, failing all of that, you can you can message me or email me. Um, and, and yeah, we can, let's get the ball rolling. Um, I don't want to say start the revolution because it's well and truly started, but we're definitely cool to arms for the data industry to join the revolution. Uh, well said, and I'll definitely join the revolution. And if any, and obviously if I can introduce anyone as well, you know, feel free to reach out to me directly as well, and I'll happily put you in contact. Brilliant. And I suppose to say, I mean, it goes the same way in that sense. If you do, if there's people, organisations are working with it going, early careers is a thing that we need a hand with, let us know. We've built programmes from scratch for organisations, everything from that Outlook training all the way through to, okay, I don't know that, but we do know someone who does know that. Uh, definitely. Well, thanks for your time today. Really enjoyed it. We'll obviously share everything when we, when we, this goes live in the next week or so, and, and we'll definitely speak again in the future. Thanks ever so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Adele. Take care.